here at Allens, they want you to learn and they want you to enjoy yourself. Go for it and keep your mind open. But a mentality of celebrating difference. Pro bono is a really important element. You play a pretty critical role. The work we do towards reconciliation, sustainability and philanthropy. God, my friends have taught me so much during this experience. Got off the train and I was like Elle Woods arriving at Harvard. <laughs> I was just like, this is my moment. If you have a smile on your face and you're willing to get stuck in and apply yourself, then you'll bring so much value. I'm Mel. I'm Talia. And, and this, this is Alan's Confidential. Confidential. Welcome back to another episode of Alan's Confidential, where today Mel and I will be exploring Alan's commitment to reconciliation. I am one of your two hosts. My name is Talia Rodriguez. I am a settled lawyer in the disputes and investigations team, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Melissa Camp, the other half of the duo, recently settled lawyer in the competition consumer and regulatory group. And my pronouns are she, her. Today, we're going to be exploring Alan's commitment to reconciliation, including through its ongoing commitment to pro bono, its most recent First Nations engagement plan, as well as how the firm continues to engage with First Nations students, including through its First Nations internship program. First, we would like to start today's episode by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording this episode on today. We recognize their ongoing connection to the land, water and community, and we pay our respect to elders past and present. Today, we are joined by Olivia Henderson, second year lawyer in the TMT team here in Sydney, and Jodie Symes, our community engagement manager who is based in Melbourne. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for your acknowledgement earlier. Um, I too, as a Palawa woman who's not from here, would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, where I'm also joining you on the pod from. And Jodie, where are you joining us from today? I'm joining you from the beautiful lands of the Bulmaran people, the Eastern Kulin Nations down here in Nam. I pay my respects to elders past and present. Well, we'll get started today with probably one of our favourite segments, uh, which Mel and I have adequately (laughs) called Nightmare Fuel. So do either of you have a Nightmare Fuel story that you would like to share with us today? I think this is a great way to kick off the podcast. Thanks for making us feel really comfortable to be here. (laughs) It's a safe space. So there are plenty of embarrassing stories, some of which I will not share here, but some I can. I think the one that I found the most embarrassing safe to share, was actually during my clerkship interviews. So I was at an interview and at a firm that I was really interested in joining. And the very first question that they asked me was, who's your favorite author? And I completely blanked. I just could not answer (laughs) the question. I was so trained for all those behavioral (laughs) questions that we all have went through. If anyone out there is doing clerkship applications, I feel the pain. And I just couldn't answer it. And it was even more embarrassing because I actually used to be a professional writer, like a journalist in my career. And it said it all over my CV (laughs) and I couldn't even tell you my favorite author. Yes, it was very embarrassing. They probably thought it was an easy one to ease you in on. Seeing journalist all over your (laughs) paper probably thought, oh, this will be a good one to break the ice and then just freeze totally <laughs> really comfortable and yeah <laughs> hopefully the questions got easier from then on I guess they did but I was a disaster it broke me yeah. it happens happens <laughs> to the best of us we're going to kick off by providing a little bit of context I suppose to the episode by turning to you Jodie and just asking if you could give us an overview of what Alan's work in reconciliation looks like Thank you. As a law firm and as part of a broader business community, we have a real obligation and 
an opportunity to contribute to reconciliation, to amplify First Nations voices, drive change alongside our First Nations partners and obviously our clients as well. We've had a long-standing commitment to reconciliation over more than 30 years now, particularly and obviously, I guess, through our pro bono legal practice, given that that's a unique contribution that, that a law firm full of so many clever lawyers can make. But since about 2009, we've had a more formal commitment to reconciliation. And earlier this year, as you mentioned earlier, we've launched our new First Nations engagement plan, which has been a very exciting time for us, perhaps more so for me than some others. But it's been really great to, to see that go live um, after many months of work with a lot of people across the firm. Um, and that new plan will guide our work in reconciliation over the next four years. The basic overview of that plan is it's broken into three key pathway areas, as, we, as we've named them, key focus areas where we think that as a law firm, we can make the most meaningful contribution. And that's come from feedback from our people and also from external clients and people that we've worked with as well. And those pathways are pathways to justice, pathways to economic engagement, and pathways to understanding. We'll probably touch a bit on those as we go through, so I won't give any expansion on that just at this point. Thanks for that, Jodie. Ollie, we'll turn to you now. Can you just tell us how you got to Allen's and I guess your journey into the legal profession? Sure. So I didn't come the typical path, I guess. Um, it wasn't really on my radar to be a lawyer when I was growing up. I didn't know any lawyers. Happy I- childhood then. <laughs> <laughs> it was dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not really interested in that. I wasn't really academic in my high school years. I actually dropped out of high school to enter the workforce and pursued work in fashion and media sort of in my late teens and then through to my 20s. In my late 20s, I think my interest started to peak and it was mostly due to getting more involved in social justice movements. And I was looking for different ways that I could make change in the world and try to make the world a better place. And law seemed like a really good place that I could do that. I think this is not an uncommon story for people that want to get involved in the law, especially for First Nations people. I feel like a lot of us want to be able to give back to our communities. So this was, I guess, the first entry point. It was actually a little bit challenging getting into law school because I didn't finish high school. I had to figure out a way that I was going to get in because they didn't let me in. (laughs) They regretted it afterwards, I'm sure. As they should. (laughs) They will when they're listening to this, that's for sure. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I ended up sitting the STAT test, which is like an aptitude test that you can sit as a mature age student and getting into a communications degree first and then transferring into communications, majoring in journalism and law at UTS. Um, after doing that first year. And during my studies, I wasn't really interested in being a lawyer. Please don't tell Alan's. Uh, <laughs> um, they're not listening, don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> I was dead set on being an investigative journalist, and that was how I was going to make my big change in the world. I was working as a freelance writer for various publications. I was also the producer of a podcast. Oh, oh cool. Um, so this isn't my first rodeo. Rodeo? <laughs> <laughs> it ain't my first time. And that was what I was really focused on. And then I guess halfway through my degree, when I was looking at life after university, I was looking at some of my friends and colleagues who were journalists, and a lot of them were still in contract work a couple of years out of uni. And I was concerned about not having career stability if I went into journalism. So I was kind of questioning whether that was what I wanted to do when one of my law professors gave me the flyer for the Allen's internship program and suggested that I apply for it. And I thought, hey, why not? I have this whole other degree. (laughs) Hopefully it's not a waste of time. Perhaps I should give it a go. So then I went about applying, which was a very nerve wracking experience. Although I'd had like a million jobs in my life, I'd never had one in 
the corporate sector and never one at like a big fancy law firm before. And there was also this one question in the application process that really threw me. What's your favourite author? (laughs) (laughs) If I had had that in the application, I would have been fine when I got to the interview. So please note this, Alan. Maybe it should be there. (laughs) But they were asking me, which high school did I finish high school at right. from this drop-down list of high schools of all the high schools in Australia? Oh, so it wasn't even a type, it was a drop-down box. It was oh a drop-down box. Wow. And the public school that I went to in this rural Victorian town didn't even exist anymore because it had been like amalgamated or closed down or something. And I dropped out. So I was like, there's literally no way for me to ask this, <laughs> but I can't move on to the next question without us answering this. And it was just like a minefield kept me up at night, almost didn't complete the application, which seems so silly now because it's just such a small thing. But thankfully I got over it and I spent two weeks, which the internship was at that time in the TMT team, which is the technology, media and telecommunications team, which is also the team that I'm back in now at Allen's uh, in my second year here. I'm a second year grad and had a fantastic time. It really changed my life to see what a career in the law could be. And I was sold. But I went back to university. I changed all my electives up. I was dead set on becoming a lawyer after that. That's so cool. I think it's important too to note that the smallest thing, such as a drop-down option, could have prevented you from being here today. I mean, that's astounding. And I think that it speaks to the difference in barriers that everyone faces to coming here and how the smallest ones can really set people back. So I think it's important that we um, work to change those. It is so true. And I think that really speaks to the importance of having things like the internship program, different ways that you could enter, or even being able to go to university and going through that stat test program, like having alternative schemes. I think when we're surrounded by lawyers every day, as we all are, it's sometimes really easy to forget that not everyone gets to become a lawyer. Not everyone is born into the right family that will allow them the educational opportunities to make that really easy. Or it's just not going to be a possibility for a lot of people. And the more ways that we can make it accessible, the better our whole profession will be, honestly. Absolutely. And I think following from that, that is something that is part of this new First Nations engagement plan is actually looking at the pathways to Allens for First Nations students who haven't necessarily had, as you said, the well-trodden or traditional path into the law and seeing the ways that we can change our pathways into this firm to increase that level of participation or comfort or ability to get through the door, I suppose. Definitely. Jody, just speaking to those um, pathways that you mentioned earlier um, and you, Ollie, as well, what part of the plan is most meaningful to you or speaks to you the most? For me, I'm excited about all of it. Obviously, I'm having worked on it for quite some time, but I think for me personally and why um, I guess it, it speaks more to why I continue to do this work and have done for a number of years is I feel really strongly about the pathways to understanding. And that, I guess, was built as a, as a, as a third pathway when we were working on the plan because the, the, first, the pathways to justice and pathways to economic engagement can't happen. They can't be successful if we don't have understanding across the whole firm. So that's really about committing us to um, continued efforts to build out the cultural safety of our own organisation, but also the cultural awareness of our people as individuals, um, whether it's for their work purposes or, or in their own lives, um, because we need to ensure that our, that our firm is a place where First Nations um, guests and employees feel, feel comfortable and feel like they belong. And those who do come in through programs such as the internship see that it's that's, that's something that's genuine to us. It's not something that we just put on a brochure or um, something that we do just to get people in the door for two weeks and then and then wish them well and see you later. So that to me is really important. And I think by continuing to build the cultural safety of our firm through things such as 
simple things like ensuring that our offices and when we move to new premises that we give consideration to First Nations culture and um, on what that might look like for people coming into our organisation to running cultural capacity training for our people, which we've done for a long time for our graduates, but now we're expanding that out to a much broader group of people across our firm so that everyone has an opportunity so that they're much more aware of their own engagement um, with First Nations people, whether it be clients, colleagues, friends, whoever, um, but that we're constantly continuing to learn for as well as our reconciliation committees that we have in each office. So any people in the firm who are interested in reconciliation can join the committee from as early as when they start with us as a grad and they get involved in running activities and initiatives for our people to engage them in conversations around key issues for Indigenous communities. And that might be something simple like a food tasting or some music or, or a guest speaker talking about something of interest all the way up to at the moment, obviously, with, with the voice referendum happening later this year, there's lots of opportunities for our people to come along and learn and understand and build their own awareness and education so that they can make their own informed decision ahead of the referendum later this year. So there's lots of things going on. But for me, that's the understanding part is really key to making sure that um, all of our people are involved in this work and that we can continue to have stories like Olivia's where people come in thinking, I'm not sure if this is for me. I'm not sure if this kind of like stuffy environment is my thing. And then they turn around at the end and say, it's nothing like I expected. I never thought I'd want to be here, but this is amazing. What can I do next? Yeah, that's right. It's one thing to open the door for people, but I think it's what's more important is giving them a seat at the table. I mean, you're not going to say, hey, come in, but then it's not a safe space or it's not welcoming or it's not, it's just not there. So I think that's very important. Yeah. I was just going to say in response to what Olivia said about that question on that application form, which I just cringe when I hear it. So I think, oh, what an awful experience for you, Olivia. But as part of our um, new plan, we are continuing to try and review our First Nations internship and other programs that we might run to make sure that those sorts of things are addressed and any feedback we get, we look at that and how we can change the program to make it more accessible and to make people feel more welcome from the outset. But they don't have that kind of nerve-wracking interview experience or application experience <laughs> that just turn, turns them away and they just delete and yeah. walk away and never have that opportunity. And Ollie, the part of the plan that's most meaningful to you, what would you say that is? Well, as a lawyer and someone that's interested in social justice, the pathways to justice <laughs> has got to be my favourite. <laughs> um, I do think as a law firm, our commitment to pro bono work, providing pro bono services is one of the best ways that we can contribute to reconciliation. And that's the biggest part of the pathways to justice, really. We have a commitment to at least 15% of all pro bonos each year being completed for First Nations clients and relevant public interest groups, which is great. And also working proactively to understand the legal needs of our local First Nations communities around each office, but also throughout all of Australia. That's my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> well said. It's also a great because I get to be involved in it like and yeah. on a day to day, which is super fun. For sure. I feel like that's the one that I enjoy engaging with the most as well. I love doing the pro bono work in this space. It's very rewarding and you just learn something new every single matter that comes up really. For sure. Is that how you would see this plan impact your day to day role as a lawyer the most, do you think? I think there's two parts to that. So yes, definitely the pro bono work um, makes up a big part of my practice. And I feel really lucky at Allen's that I'm not a pro bono exclusive lawyer, but I get to do so much pro bono work. I've never been told not to do pro bono work. And I do quite a lot <laughs> as a percentage of my overall practice. So that's really that's great awesome. that Alan supports me mm -hmm. to do that. The other big way in which reconciliation is a part of my day-to-day -day is as the coordinator for the Warung Reconciliation Committee. So in my first year, I was able to take on that role, that leadership role as the coordinator for the Sydney Committee, the Sydney Reconciliation Committee. And as a part of that, we all meet once a month. We discuss ways in which we think the firm can be better at reconciliation and also that we can share that with our 
colleagues. It's super fun. So we do a bunch of different things. Some are internal, some are external. With the lead up to the voice referendum, the constitutional reform referendum later this year, we've done a lot of internal education. So making sure that all of our colleagues and our community uh, more broadly have the right education and knowledge about the referendum so they can make an informed decision when that time comes, which is really exciting. We also have organized volunteering opportunities out within our communities so we can get more in touch with our local communities here, which has also been really exciting. I guess those are my favorite things that are happening in the community at the moment. But I guess the other big thing is being a First Nations person in an organization and actually being able to bring your ideas forward of how our organization could be doing it better and actually having people around you who will support you to action those things and to make it happen and not put up roadblocks when you have ideas. Yeah, it's, I think it's the, the bare minimum really is, is not making it harder. It should be encouraging you and, and facilitating you to make these changes rather than hearing your ideas but not actioning them, as you said. I think there's a huge difference in the way that the, the right way to go about it, I guess. And I think for the people on committees too, it's worth noting people from all across the firm are included. So it's not just the lawyers and it's also not just our First Nations people. Anyone can join the committee. And I think it's a really great opportunity to get to mix with people that you wouldn't otherwise work with in your direct practice group or team and to then share ideas. And actually you're learning, you're building your own. So many of them build their own cultural awareness just by being on the committee and discussing all those ideas and and getting to share um, with people across the country and across the firm. And I think building on that, Jodie, another question that we had for you was kind of dispelling this myth that you can only get involved in these committees or in the pro bono work once you get to a certain seniority. So it'd be interesting to hear from you a little bit more about how junior members of the firm can actually get involved, not only in the committees, as you've just mentioned, but also in pro bono work at Allens. Yeah, sure. So pro bono work, well, from the beginning, I guess, each of our offices as a pro bono coordinator, and that's usually um, a junior lawyer, um, a graduate who gets involved in that role. So that's a great way to get to get started in, in being involved in pro bono and guiding that work, taking the calls and and directing where that work will go and helping to, to staff that work, those matters as well. So that's a, a really great start for people who are interested. But really from the outset, there are, people are welcome to get involved in pro bono legal work. There is no requirement for you to have done a, a minimum number of of years at the firm or anything like that. From a, a corporate services perspective, I guess, for those those of us, including myself, who are not lawyers and didn't come to the firm in the, on the legal side of things, but working in areas such as marketing and finance and IT and catering and um, community engagement, such as myself, there's opportunities to get involved in doing pro bono work for Indigenous communities through our partnership with Jarwin. And that sees some of our people heading out on secondment for a period of six to 12 weeks from anywhere from Redfern in inner Sydney through to the Goulburn Murray region of Victoria and as far as the northeast Arnhem Land, right up the top of Australia um, and across to the Kimberley as well. So that's something that both of our, um, our corporate services staff and our senior lawyers um, can get involved in. And it's a, it's a great way to share your skills and knowledge. And it's a, it's a real two-way learning experience that people absolutely love getting involved in. Thank you, Jodie, for that lay of the land. So I understand that everyone at Allens can get involved in pro bono work and in our reconciliation initiatives. Adding to that, so one of our most recent initiatives was the launch of our Warung Reconciliation Library, which was actually started by two clerks here that clerked over the summer. And they saw that project through until its fruition where we launched at Reconciliation Week, this week just gone. So it was really exciting that those clerks could get involved and then continue on as they stayed on as paralegals. So any of this work is really open to anyone at any level and we'd love to have you guys get involved as juniors for sure. 
Following from that, Ollie, I understand that you recently were on secondment. Can you tell us a little bit about that, where you went, what you did, how long was it? I would absolutely love to. (laughs) So on to the secondment opportunity. It was with a pro bono partner of ours called Arts Law. They have this program called Adopt a Lawyer, which runs through their Artists in the Black program which focuses on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists. If you don't know Arts Law, there are a community legal centre that are focused on artists and arts, the arts community. The Adopt-A-Lawyer program is a pro bono service where art centres, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art centres can connect with a law firm and have pro bono services provided to them over a three-year period. The purpose of that is to sort of streamline the service so it doesn't necessarily have to be referred through arts law to be able to come into the law firm and also to strengthen the relationships between the law firms and the arts centres so you're able to give better legal advice. So this particular trip that I went on was to an art centre out in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. It's a place that I haven't been to before so it was super exciting to be able to go. I went with one other senior lawyer from Allen's and also a senior person at Macquarie Bank, who we do this program in partnership with, and also the director of the Artists in the Black program from Arts Law, uh, Donna Robinson. She's amazing. Everyone was amazing, actually. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but if you're listening, Donna. <laughs> so we flew into Darwin and then took a tiny small plane, smaller than any plane I've ever taken. It was a bit rattly and a little scary, but we got there uh, to this remote community, uh, to the Arts Centre We stayed there for four days. It was so inspiring being able to work around the artists and provide them with legal services. We ended up providing 29 advices over four four days. days. Oh my God. That's so impressive. Like 29 and wow. Wow. And was that individual clients, different people, different art? What did that kind of entail? Yeah. So it was a combination of providing services to the individual artists that work at those art centres. We serviced two art centres at the time and also to the art centres themselves. So I've been working with one of the art centres to form some commercial arrangements with art galleries in another location, which was exciting. And then also the individual artists. A lot of the work that we did was actually around supporting them to, to write wills. Wills are really important for artists and particularly for those art centres so that they can ensure that money can still go back to the people that they would like after they pass away and the art centres can continue to sell and licence their work as they wish. But it was a really exciting time, super inspiring to meet everyone and work there and such a different work opportunity, I guess, which is really refreshing, I guess, working in a corporate law firm. Thank you so much for sharing. So coming towards the end of the episode, I think something that we just want to touch on for any students listening today is a little bit more detail about the First Nations internship program and other programs that Allens has in place with universities for First Nations students in particular. So Jody, I would love to hear a little bit more about what those programs look like in practice and how students can go about engaging with those programs. Um, I guess I'll start by going back to the, the pathways to economic engagement, which is the one we didn't cover off in our favourites, although it's a a favourite of both Olivia and mine for the reasons that we, we spoke about earlier about engaging students. But the economic engagement pathway is about supporting education and career pathways for First Nations people through a number of different initiatives we run. And obviously the flagship program, I guess, at the moment for us is that First Nations Legal Internship, which has been running for about 17 years now. But we also, as part of that, that pathway of our plan, engage with First Nations-owned businesses through procuring goods and services from first aid training to the bottled water we use at our events as well as consultants on our cultural capacity training. But that's also, that serves to obviously diversify our own supply chain, but supports the growth of the Indigenous business sector as well. So I guess this, your question relates to that particular pathway specifically. And the First Nations internship is open to all First Nations law students. 
Applications open in the second half of the year for a three-week internship in the following year. It's a great program and it, it provides an opportunity for, for law students to get a taste of life in a commercial firm. It may, may not be something that you think is of interest to you. In fact, we have many students come in who think it's not really what they want to do. And some of those leave saying, yep, I was right. That was a great, that was a great experience. But thanks, I know that's not what I want and I'll move on to the next thing. And others come in and say, as I, I think I mentioned before, that it's the best thing that they ever experienced and they want to know what they can do next to, on that, to follow that pathway and, and get into a firm. So whether it's Allen's or another firm um, similar to ours or somewhere else in the profession, we also run a number of programs through um, the universities. So in Almianjan or Brisbane, the Reconciliation Committee has um, developed a program over uh, several years ago called the Reconciliation Mentoring Program, which they run in conjunction with most of the universities in Queensland now to match up mentors who are lawyers from Allens with law students at those universities to just to give them some advice along the way as they study um, and encourage them along their career pathway. And quite a few of those have then come in to apply for our internship and, and done that internship in our Brisbane office. So that same committee is also involved in Indigenous Moot, which is run through the Indigenous Lawyers Association of Queensland, which provides an opportunity for students to get in and compete and use their skills and, and test them out in a situation to see how, they, how they're going and, and to win some prizes along the way, which is a really popular event as well. On a secondary student level, we have a, a very strong partnership with the Australian Indigenous Education Foundation, which we've had for a number of years, and they provide scholarships for First Nations students, secondary students, to um, attend a number of um, boarding schools around Australia and through our partnership with them we have um, our people mentor some of those students through their secondary years but also we run training programs uh, workplace readiness programs for some of those students such as interview skills our, our HR team have run interview skills for them they've also worked with the AAEF team to run CV reviewing sessions so that those staff can better work with the students to build up their CVs and have them ready to get out into the workforce when the time is right for them to do so. So there's a whole range of different things that we do and opportunities to help sort of give those career opportunities and, and for students to come in and hear about life in the law and also just a more the broader corporate experience as well. If, if law is not something that you want, what else is there out in the world that might be of interest? So there's a whole range of different things that we that we do and we'll continue to grow that as, as our plan rolls out over the next four years. And I would also just add to that, if there are any First Nations students out there that are interested in a life at Allen's or want to talk about corporate law, please get in contact with me. My name is Olivia Henderson. You can contact me on LinkedIn. I will definitely be happy to have a chat to you about what life is like here. Thank you so much. I think to end today's episode, we just wanted to get some advice from both of you. So what advice would you give to our students listening who want to get involved in reconciliation work? 29 advices, please, Ollie, <laughs> if you've got the time. <laughs> I just say get involved, read, listen, learn, ask questions and attend events and just be open to learning. If there's things you can do by sharing your skills, whether they're legal skills, whether you're a student and you want to volunteer um, with a program through universities, there's plenty of mentoring programs as well, such as AIM. You can get involved in, and do that. So just keep working. It's good advice. <laughs> I think the best thing that you can do to get involved in reconciliation is to vote yes in the upcoming referendum. I feel really proud to work at a firm who has publicly supported The Voice and I really would encourage anyone out there to vote yes, learn a little bit more if they're interested and just vote yes at the referendum. It's going to be great. According to a Reconciliation Australia survey, 86% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people believe it's an important thing. So really get behind us, walk with us and vote yes. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing your advice, your insights. We appreciate it so much. Definitely. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. 
If you'd like more information on what we've talked about today, please direct yourself to our show notes.